Welcome to Elevate L&D, Conversations with Cincinnati's Learning and Development Leaders, brought to you by the Greater Cincinnati Association for Talent Development. In this episode, we'll discuss the Learning Management System, or LMS. What is an LMS, and how does it help an organization house, deliver, and track training? What are the benefits and challenges of implementing an LMS? Our host, Dan Link, talks with Brooke Hopkins, LMS Administrator at TQL. They will discuss how to choose the right LMS for your budget, your team, and your learning content. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan Link, the Director of Talent Development at Seneca Holdings, as well as a Purpose Guide with the Purpose Promise. At Seneca, I have oversight for our vendor-based talent management software, which includes a learning management system, also known as an LMS. LMSs can play a key role in supporting accomplishment of business objectives, including employee development, and others we'll talk about on this episode. Companies may develop them internally or choose to partner with a vendor. Sometimes vendors may offer a suite of products that includes an LMS, in addition to technology for performance management, recruiting, and so on. On this episode, we'll focus on calibrating what an LMS is specifically and what to consider if you're looking to choose an external LMS vendor for your company. Although we will not be mentioning any learning management systems by name on this podcast, our listeners may want to check out Gartner.com for a resource with reviews and ratings on learning management systems. To find this link, go to GCATT.org, click podcast for more information. Today we have with us Brooke Hopkins, LMS Administrator at Total Quality Logistics. Thanks for joining, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit about your background and experience? Sure. So I have been with TQL a little over 10 years. I started right out of college. I went to Ohio University and majored in economics, so nothing to do with an LMS or transportation. Found myself at TQL a month after I graduated and was working in sales. I had background in learning and development. When I was at OU, I worked with intramural sports and was the student director of officials. So I trained the officials on all of the sports that we offered. And I started at TQL and I'm going through training and I realized, oh, people do this for a living. This is really cool. And so within my first year and a half, I ended up in learning and development and then transitioned into managing the LMS among some other roles. And we are currently on our third LMS provider since I moved into that role. So we've learned a lot along the way. That's awesome, Brooke. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time today. And what a great kind of background where you didn't necessarily pursue this immediately and found something you loved and uh, clearly you have a lot of experience that we're loving uh, to have the opportunity to learn more about today. Yeah. So if you don't mind, let's dive right in. Uh, for our listeners that may not be as familiar, what is a learning management system? A learning management system is for lack of a better word, a system that manages your learning. It's a great way to organize who is getting what training so that you aren't doing it pen and paper. Got it. Got it. And why would a company want one? What's nice about an LMS is that it's a centralized location for learners, leaders, admins, you name it. You are sending your learners to one spot to complete their training. Your leaders can manage that training. They can complete their own training as well. And then your admins are able to upload, update, report on, track all of that training all in one spot. We still run into pockets of our company that are managing workshops or classes on a spreadsheet. 
And we, no, 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 let us help you with that. Let us all put it in one spot so it's all tracked behind the scenes. And you don't have to worry about if that person takes another position or leaves the company and now you've lost that resource. It's all in the same spot no matter who's managing it. That's a great point, Brooke. I um, definitely appreciate that sometimes as organizations uh, or individuals within organizations, we tend to look for the quickest way to do something. And we think that might be a spreadsheet. And so how powerful is having a system, to your point, to standardize tracking, to allow for sustainability as folks move on to new opportunities? Um, All very valid points. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. So let's dive in a little bit more. So learning management system and in a learning management system, there's likely learning content. Oh, yeah. So how does how does a company's existing content or need for content play into their decision to choose a learning management system? The content that you will provide to your learners depends on how you train your learners. Some of it might be online courses. So we've got SCORM courses or RISE courses that we're uploading into the LMS. You might have materials, so a PDF or a site that you send them to that you want to make sure that they visited. You can track those completions with an LMS. It might be audio only. It might be a picture you want them to see. Any of that learning content where you want to make sure that a learner has referenced it and you want to track that completion can be put into an LMS. We have varied content within our system as well, whether it's videos or PDFs or SOPs, right? And so companies definitely need to be thinking about what are they trying to put in an LMS uh, before they dive into um, their content strategy. Oh, yeah. So based on how you train your company's learners, you'll want to make sure that your LMS checks the boxes that accommodate your style. Our company, we create all of our training in-house. It's specific to what we do and how we do it. So for us, we want to make sure that it's easy to upload our own content and then update it along the way. Other companies might have content packages through LinkedIn Learning or Skillsoft other providers like that. So you'll want to understand how an LMS would interact with those providers. If you buy training a la carte, so if you have a course that you purchased from one provider to fulfill a certain need, another course from another provider, and so on, you'll want to talk with the LMS providers as well as the content providers to make sure that they communicate back and forth effectively so that the completions are being tracked in your system to meet your needs. Yeah. So it sounds like some companies are going to have a lot of homegrown kind of materials, whether that's professionally developed or just PowerPoint or whatever. And so it's really critical to have a system that allows you uh, in your experience to be able to upload that. But then other organizations might want to use purchase content to train their folks. And I have a little bit of experience with that as well. I think having a system that is easy to upload your own content is critical because there could be a lot of administrative lift to that. Could you expand a little bit on the administrative lift of when you maybe have a system that's not as good to load your own content? Yes. We thankfully have had good experience with our last two providers. It's been very easy for us to upload our own content and track those uploads. If you don't have that ability and you are depending on the company to make updates for you, you are at their mercy and their timetable. Awesome. Thank you, Brooke. So let's kind of get a little bit more broad here. So what is the first question a company should ask itself when starting to explore choosing a learning management system? That's a that's a great meeting to have. 
first of all, if you're going to be having conversations about what's important, you'll want to make sure that you have the right people involved in those decisions. And once you've got that group, then we can talk about, all right, what are our must-haves? What has to be checked for us to move forward with a certain provider? Keep in mind, the list will grow. It might change a little bit throughout the process. That's okay. But you really want to have a good idea of how you use the system as a company so that you can focus on those items throughout the process. It's important to keep in mind that you are going to be talking to the sales reps. If you're going to ask them, will it do this? And they say, yes, absolutely, no problem. We want to make sure that we get an opportunity to see how those things are actually done because just because a system can do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy or intuitive or work well for your company. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. So in that meeting that you're describing, I bet there's a lot of different key stakeholders. So you have the learning professionals. Um, do you have other folks within the business? Uh, like, can you describe maybe uh, who are the key people that you think should be in that discussion around um, what they're looking for in an LMS? Yes. For us, we focus in on learning and development. We're the ones who primarily are using the system from an admin perspective. We have user experience involved as well to make sure that how the site actually functions works for our general population. And then, of course, IT, because the language that they speak has to match the language that the LMS speaks so that it actually functions. That's valid. So it's it's critical, it sounds like, to have um, everyone at the table because everyone has different, probably, requirements uh, for what they need for their uh, side of the business to make sure that everything's successful overall for the organization. How about on the user experience side? I'd love to learn more about that. How does your company uh, or how do you see other companies really making sure that the user experience is a value? Because I think on the knowledge side, if we're the learning professionals, we could easily just pick something that's easy for us. How does TQL or maybe other companies have exposure to make sure that the user experience is really um, part of a decision? The way that your company functions and the way that you use an LMS is going to dictate how it needs to be set up. For us, we are looking for very simple. A majority of our company is sales-based. So we want our salespeople to be able to get in there, do their training quickly, see very obviously this is what you need to do and when you need to do it, and then get back to their day. There are all kinds of bells and whistles that you can add to the homepage, to the functionality, flashing lights, you name it. But knowing how the company will use it is where we rely on the user experience. Thank you, Brooke. That makes a ton of sense. I think that really helps us dovetail into the next question I'd love to ask you about. So when we look at these companies that are providing LMS solutions, they're selling a product. So how can our listeners be clear on what they want out of a product demo? Oh boy. Yes. So the demo for us is a chance to really see what the product can do. Because at this point, you've talked to the sales side, you've gotten those yes, absolutely. But now we need to see it in action. For us, it's very important to give them a list of these are our key factors we need to see. I'm not trying to surprise them in the demo. I'm not trying to stump them. I want to see what the system can actually do. And just because it can do it doesn't mean that it's easy for us or it'll work for us. It's really finding that right fit. I will also say, beware the word customization. If they say, yes, we can do it, that would be a customization. What that sets you up for long term is something that could stop working 
stop working for you in the way that it was designed. And it ends up being an out. It's like an easy out for a help desk. They say, oh, that was a customization. We can't support that. So customization might sound like, oh, that would be nice for us. They can do that for us. But what does that mean long term? Sure. Do you have an example of customization? Uh, Maybe not a horror story, but that lesson learned probably came through some pain. What are some tips that you can give folks where you feel like something's going down a path? It's getting too custom or what are some guardrails they should set? We don't have customization set up in our current system or the system before this, because we learned from the system that I took over initially, we would get that answer on our calls. We'd say, this isn't working like we expect it to, or it worked last week and now it's not working. And because of an update to their system, it no longer worked. So we really have stayed away from that. I learned my lesson very early on that customization is not always a good thing. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that uh, transparency so that our listeners could learn from that. So let's transition a little bit into support models. We know that support models are a big deal for any technology from a company perspective that we purchase or we build in-house, right? We need to be able to get answers. And so as you think about those different vendors that you've partnered with, what has been your experience in considering their support model when you consider them as a learning management system? Support is instrumental to success. You get up and running, which is usually alongside an implementation partner. So someone who has been through implementations plenty of times with multiple companies, they have lots of advice to share with you. But now you're up and running and it's three months later, six months later, who's there to help? What does that look like? So these are great questions to ask as you're getting set up. What we have found with our current provider, I have been very happy with our support and it it's a multi-prong support uh, system that they have set up. So obviously, if something's not working, you can file a case with their general support desk. That often takes longer than I would like. It's hard to tell learners, that's not working, but I'm waiting on somebody else to get back to me because I'm the one answering questions for the company. So knowing that there are other things that we can do in the meantime is really helpful. What's nice about our current provider is it's very community-driven. So we have an option that's called Office Hours, where you can go in, you pick a day and time, and it's a round robin of customers like ourselves who can ask a question. There are experts from the company, from the provider, and they'll try their best to answer or help you. But you also get the minds of everybody else in the room. And it often happens where someone will relay their experience with what you're talking about. It's really nice to have multiple minds in one room. Along with that, they have a a community page where you can just post your questions and you're getting answers from other users of the system. So helpful to say, it feels like this should work. And someone says, it will if you click this button or you change this one setting. I get an answer within a couple hours and I'm on about my day. And then I'll often try and help others there as well. It's give and take, you know. Absolutely. I uh, can appreciate that. Uh, Our existing vendor has a similar offering uh, with the opportunity to get on the phone with someone, submit cases, knowledge center, help Mm -hmm. within the system itself, right? So different ways to get that support. uh, You brought that to life. I'm curious, given you had three different learning management systems at your existing organization, as well as probably, you know, source some different ones as you figured out which ones you were going to choose. How do you consider a big 
LMS company versus a small one? And, and as we think about support, do you notice different levels of support based on the size of the organization or maybe the cost of the offering? Oh, yes. Our first LMS, the one that I took over originally in the role, they opened at 9 a.m. and they closed at 6 p.m. And so you were out of luck if it wasn't between those hours and you needed help. And it has gotten much better from there. Our current provider is a very large company. We can get support no matter the time of day. And yes, we pay more for it. But that confidence and that reassurance that there is someone there to help you is great. In addition, something this company offers that we haven't had before are regional user groups, which just went back to in-person, which is really nice where you get to go and meet and talk to other admins. There's an annual conference as well. It can be a little isolating to be one of the few people in your company or maybe the only one who is dealing with the LMS, the only person answering those questions when things aren't working. So having a way to connect with other users is awesome. I would definitely ask about that as you're going through the process. Great. Thank you for sharing. That makes sense and not something I I thought about. So having a community of essentially folks like you at other organizations that are dealing with similar challenges, understanding how to maybe implement the process or troubleshoot issues. It sounds like this particular vendor you guys are partnering with creates that community for you to tap into. Yes, absolutely. That's great. So let's dive in a little bit to pricing then. Um, we you know talked about support models and maybe a little bit dictated by what you pay for. Um, as you think about pricing, are there specific structures to expect when you're engaging with a vendor? In our experience, yes. There is often a base cost and then license per user is common. The more users, the cheaper cost per head typically is. Uh, also, there are scenarios where there are different types of user profiles. So one of the ways that we use our LMS is for our applicants. If you are applying for a sales position, there are a few pre-interview tests that you will take, and that's done through the LMS. Those profiles are only active for a very short period of time. So we negotiated a different price for those types, and that's a separate billing category than our employees. Got it. So a little bit unique in the type of accounts you may need within your LMS. Yeah. Is there anything else around the structure of a contract or or any other line items you think our folks should expect to see or be asking about that maybe it's not just users, not just learning, but what other things does an LMS company usually need to charge you for? Integrations will often come up. So if you are integrated with the different content providers like LinkedIn Learning, There's usually a cost associated with that to send the information back and forth. We have integrations set up with our virtual classroom portals to allow our instructors to launch classes directly from the LMS. The learners do as well. We manage all the emails. Class creation, attendance is automatically done on the back end so that our instructors don't have to worry about it. Got it. So integrations may require some additional investment to allow you to use outside technology or Maybe it's inside to you, but a different provider uh, for what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Okay. Something that we didn't negotiate, but have found could have been helpful is the cost for a copy down. Copy downs happen when you take your live portal and bring all of the information into your testing portal. Most people have a stage or a sandbox 
portal where they can test setups, but the information in there is not being updated like it is in your live portal. So we have one copy down included in our contract, and that is something we could have negotiated more because any additional copy down has additional costs associated with it. That makes sense. So the the cost of them moving the data from your production environment potentially to your sandbox, so to speak. I'm sure there's a lot of different words companies use for what that sandbox is. Yep. And uh, that kind of sparks a question I have. H- how do you prepare for, so not being in a custom environment, the system, uh, the LMS provider has updates, I'm sure they do based on business needs or product innovation. What does that look like on your end to prepare your organization for that? Do you have to do things in that sandbox? Do you have to test anything? What is what is the release of a an update from the vendor look like to the company that has the LMS that they're working with? The schedule for updates is released for the year. So in January, we'll know when each of those updates is happening. They happen quarterly and they're released to the stage environment first. So you can play with them. You can test how they'll impact you. We have, it's such a nice setup to have options so we can attend a webinar and see what these updates are going to be. There's a spreadsheet of them. There's a PDF. You've got all of these different ways to check what updates are coming and then test them to see how they'll impact your current setup. Got it. And that's probably maybe not unique just to this organization you're working with now, but that would also be another example of a question to ask likely, right? Very much so. To the providers you're exploring, what's what's your release cycle look like? How often do you have product updates? How can we test those product updates? Do you go live or not if we find an issue, right? There's a lot of questions that probably may come up when you're doing that testing. And so it sounds like the place you partner with right now does a good job of releasing that proactively. Have you had experience with places that don't, or is that just something cautionary that folks should just dive into? I feel like we're more aware of it now than we were previously. So it was a learning experience to get to the point where we know all of the options and we know how to test for them so that we can be prepared for them to actually be released. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. To your point, I think another question you can ask is where do you get these ideas or where are these new releases coming from? Are they crowdsourced? Are they things that have been recommended? How long is that time between we have an idea. It's something we absolutely need. There's a lot of support for it. Will it be six months before we see something go live? 18 months? Just to get an idea of how much they're listening to their community. That's great. And to your point on the timing, giving you all time to prepare your users, right? So if there's um, a quick turnaround from a vendor on an update, you know, obviously change is something that has to be managed and, and uh, communicated. And so I imagine that it's helpful to have that proactive visibility. Very much so. Well, I'd love to kind of dive into uh, this next topic uh, that I wanted to explore with you. Likely its own podcast, but when a company chooses an LMS, there's undoubtedly a lot that goes into implementation. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about high-level thoughts to consider when you're implementing an LMS for the first time? Yes. I think it's really important to be honest with yourself and the provider that you choose about what is going into this and how much time you are going to have to devote to it. Most LMSs, most providers are going to have a third-party implementation partner that you'll work with. So they've done this before. They have experience. But I know for us, you're still managing a system ongoing, or there's, if you don't have a current system, there's still learning going on. So you're doing your current job and onboarding an entire new system 
it's a lot of work. So make sure that you understand what is going into the process, what's expected of you, and how to make the time for it. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a, it's a one-time, well, multiple-time things as you switch vendors potentially. But to your point around the stakeholders in that meeting, there's probably folks that have to be coordinated internally from an IT or user experience or user perspective as you go through that as well. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's a lot of project management. And so if your company has project management teams that can assist with something like this, so you've got sprints that include the right people along the way, utilize those resources. Got it. And if you don't, any recommendations if you don't have those teams? Be honest with the provider and see what they can offer you. It might have additional costs, but it might be worth it because you're trying to set something up that's going to be successful long term and you want to start off on the right foot with that. That makes sense. Yeah. Go slow to go fast, I guess is the analogy sometimes, right? Is there any uniqueness to going from one LMS to the next? So we just described maybe the first time a company is invested in LMS. How about I have an LMS already? I'm going to explore going to another one. Is there anything that you'd expand on um, in that scenario? Oh, man, so much data. So you're pulling out so much data from your old system. And I know we have experienced um, there is a limit to how much data we could pull out at one time. And so it was a multi-day process to get all of our completions and registrations and user profiles out and then shape them into the correct format to get them back into the new system. You are learning a new system. You're keeping a current system up and running. You are training admins and super users on a new system, bringing back data over, loading completions, switching platforms, which is not just an overnight thing either. It's really hard to turn one off and one on and make sure that it all happens at the right time. It's about laying out a good plan and using the resources you have, whether it's project management or that implementation partner, take advantage of your time with those resources. That makes sense. A lot of moving parts, a lot of detailed work, uh, a lot of understanding what you need from the old system to the next system. Did I kind of hear that correctly? Yeah. Cool. As you think about that, When would a company know that it makes sense to move? So there's some pain associated with going to that next LMS, right? If you have one today. In your experience, why would you want to go through that change? What would be the business case that maybe maybe some examples of business cases that would say, yes, we need to switch to another one because it's worth the change? Oh, yeah. There are signs that you're outgrowing your current LMS or if you've changed the way you function and you have different needs than you did when you originally chose your provider. For us, with the number of people that we have coming in, you know, we we are hiring like crazy, which is great news for us, but it means that we have a lot of people a year and under who need a lot of training. The system we had in place, it was not easy to set up ongoing assignments. It wasn't picking them up instinctually to assign them training. We were looking for a system that we could do that set it and forget it piece so that we could expand what we were doing in addition to the new hire training. So potentially data feeds that feed this LMS that say, hey, here's a new person. They are in this particular function. Here's the set of criteria or courses that we need them to complete for either compliance or their new job or whatever. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yeah, a way for the system to identify. If I say that someone in this position needs training on day one and then training on day 14, 
I want a system that will recognize those things and assign it the training I tell it to. So every day it's running and picking those people up at the right intervals and assigning them training. I've got that set up so that I can do more and not just keep doing the same things over and over and over because the system has automated it for us. Got it. Got it. So if I'm understanding you correctly, not all LMSs do that. Not all LMSs are created equal. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. Well, as we close, uh, this was awesome information. uh, Super helpful. I have one last question. If you could leave our listeners with one key takeaway on choosing an LMS, what advice would you give? One key takeaway. I think to expand on the demo side of things, it's really nice if you can talk to someone who is currently using the system. I think most providers will have a list of current customers that you can talk to, and I would really recommend you take advantage of that because what they show you in the demo is a portal that they have set up where things are probably going right. Let's talk to some people who have seen it when it's not working perfectly What do they like? What don't they like? What do they wish it did better? What are the strengths? Find someone that you can really talk to about how it is day in and day out or two years after implementation and make sure that they're still happy with the product they chose. That's great advice. Thank you, Brooke. Just so grateful for our time together. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. As we close our podcast today, Learning management systems, or LMSs, can support critical needs of your business, enabling your employees to learn and grow in both technical and professional skills. We also know that the opportunity for development can be a key factor in an employee's decisions to stay with or leave an organization. I hope that you found some tips and insights today that you can apply in your role or organization if you find yourself knowing that you could benefit from an LMS and have the need to work through the next steps to choose the right vendor for your company. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Elevate L&D with Dan Link and Brooke Hopkins. Next time, host Greg Gould and his guests will explore how L&D can help managers help develop their employees. Have a topic you'd like to hear on the podcast? Email your comments or suggestions to podcast at gcatd.org. Thanks for listening.